Hey everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney. Over there, Steve. Fathagan. And today we are talking about Call of Cthulhu, a new video game by Focus Home Interactive, uh, developed by Cyanide Studios with a little help from Chaosium. Uh, Focus Home Interactive was kind enough to give us a review copy of the game, and so we want to give our thanks to them. Yep, thank for you. For letting us check it out. Uh, this was a game we've been anticipating for uh, some time now. At, yeah, if we really at least have. at least a couple of years. I've gotten two gift cards from my family to buy that game <laughs> that were subsequently spent on other things because it kept on getting delayed. So there you go. So that's like a birthday gift and a uh, Hanukkah gift from from ages ago. That I go. squandered on other things, so I'm That's really right. glad. Really glad they uh, they gave us this opportunity. Now, the, the the gist of the game is, it is an investigation based game, um, and it has the feel of a solo Call of Cthulhu, almost a campaign because because of the length of time it takes you to play the game. Uh, there's there's no real combat. You're not an action hero. You you were a private detective. And you go through solving the mystery of the death of Sarah Hawkins and her family in a fire on the island of Darkwater. Darkwater and, and the Bay in Mass. That's right. That's right. It's set in and around Boston during the 1920s. Uh, what do you think overall, Steve? I know you got to actually finish. I had a mishap. Yeah, um, I actually really liked it. Um, I've got a couple of, of criticisms, but that's just through one playthrough, so I'd have to play it again to see if any of my criticisms are valid, but it's looking like um, some of them are not. So um, I guess the, the big I guess the, the big issue is the graphics aren't um, as good as they probably can be given today's technology and access to technology. Um, that is like the biggest gripe I've read about the game and really my biggest gripe, but really I don't, it's not as horrible as, as a lot of things are making it out to be. I kind of chalk it off to like uh, making it look retro nineties, just like the, uh, the H.P. Lovecraft Historical Society makes their movies retro to the period that the story was written. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what I'm chalking it up to. I know I'm wrong, but it helps. <laughs> yeah, well, it seems to me that uh, it's like uh, early current gen, I think. Like um, Xbox three or Xbox One, uh, PS4 launch area type graphics is made with the Unreal Engine. <clears throat> right. Uh, my only gripe with the graphics really is just character models. Yeah, everybody looks like a deep one. Yeah, everybody look, has the Innsmouth look. Um, but once you once you get out of the character models and are in the first person mode and are exploring, because m the majority of the gameplay is first person, um, it does have kind of a gloomy, uh, claustrophobic effect because everything it just seems so tight. And confining, and and while you know it's not in like a sandbox type of environment, you know I think that even just helps the feel of claustrophobia 
Uh, the darkness is really dark. Um, and then, you know, and you find yourself as you're playing, you know, it's like, oh, a light spot somewhere where there's some light. Yeah, they, they, uh, it's, it, they kind of take that cue from amnesia. They take a lot of cues from amnesia. Mm -hmm. Uh, but especially like the play of light and darkness, they don't go as far as Amnesia did with like if you spend too much time in the dark, you start to like freak out. Mm -hmm. Um in this it's enclosed spaces. If you're in enclosed space, you start to freak out. Right, right. Our hero has a little bit of claustrophobia, it seems. He got in the Great War. Um but all in all, it does a really good job. Um there are parts where you're investigating. If you don't have a light, you're gonna miss the clue. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and obviously if you have your light, um, there's an economy of your, of your fuel. Right. Right. With you your, can only with your lantern. And if you're just using the cigarette lighter, it's the field of vision is not as bright. And eventually you have to like put it away because it gets hot. And yeah. You burn yourself. <laughs> and, you know, speaking of somebody who's used a lighter as a flashlight many times, yeah, that's a that's a bad feeling there. But uh, I would say where this game really shines is is in the story, the the it, investigation of the Hawkins family. Yeah, the story is really well put together. It definitely feels <clears throat> like an like an old school eighties um, Call of Cthulhu scenario, where it starts out with like something that's seemingly innocuous. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it's murder or a, an arson investigation. Um, not too innocuous, but it, but it's not, you know, end of the world cosmic horror. Right. Just like, just builds up to that, which is, which is how Sandy Peterson originally um, describes um, scenario design in Call of Cthulhu is the layers of the onion. Mm -hmm. Right. And this this particular story starts getting weird pretty fast. Uh, it it kind of has to, though. Get on the island of dark water, it starts, you know, the, it, it starts pressing in on you a little bit. Right, it, it gets weird, but it's like not like oppressive weird like that. It's like you, I mean, trying to be as spoiler free as you can. There's a de a dead whale mm -hmm. uh, right when you come on, and there's a, a group of sailors who um, don't want. Uh, the authorities to get rid of the whale, right? Be because of us, quote superstition. So mm -hmm. I mean, not not. I mean, it's weird, but not like what the fuck weird. It, it ties in and and it starts getting what the fuck weird fairly quickly after mm -hmm. that. Once you start doing hardcore investigating, right? But th there's there's weird in the DNA, I guess you can say. Mm -hmm. of the island right it it takes the tropes of weird fiction and lovecraftian fiction and and uses them well i mean you know you pretty much know what's going to happen you know it's got all it hits all the right cylinders um you know for a lovecraftian pastiche story but still uses them to great effect where you're not sitting there going oh yeah this is exactly what i thought was going to be there are still a few surprises yeah you kind of like i mean 
metagaming, you know something weird is going to happen. You know something, the shit's going to hit the fan because it's Call of Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. But it does a really good job of keeping you as a player guessing while um, your character uh, is doing his thing. Mm-hmm. And he looks like Keanu Reeves. Kind of looks like Keanu Reeves. He, he looks a lot like the character model for uh, Game Vampire that came out, uh, I think it was last year or early this year. But the investigation aspect of the game, because you really, it is an exploration and investigation game. You have to look in every nook and cranny to find all of the pieces you need. Mm-hmm. Because having the right clues uh, affects what questions you can ask to bystanders, witnesses, the people that you encounter, things that you discover along the way. And it's not like um, one of those games where each clue you find is an achievement. I've gone through, uh, I've had to restart start the game twice now because of my own uh, uh, fat-fingered nature. And uh, I found different paths and uh, different routes to take in questioning just because I located clues that I hadn't noticed before. And you really have to look hard to uh, get catch everything. Yeah, you do. I mean, once you see, they give you an indicator that, that tells you there's a clue present. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they also give you an, an on-screen, like, um, I guess... Just a little green blip mm-hmm. that you, I, I guess, if you're um, in, not your investigative skills, but your um, spot hidden skill, yep. the higher that is, the more chance you have of the bigger that blip will be, the easier it'll be for you to see it. Right. Um, so, yeah. So, much to my chagrin, your skills actually matter in this game. So, and you could put points in different skills. Mm-hmm. So, if you, but at the expense of others. So if you're putting points into um, spot hidden and into um, investigation, then you're neglecting your um, your speech skills, your psychology skills, and your, um, what do they call it, eloquence? Uh, you have an eloquence, which is social interaction. Right. It's a very, it's a stripped down version of seventh edition rules. Yeah, I mean, you basically have you're talking to people, which is eloquence. You're figuring people out to uh, manipulate them, which is psychology. Psychology. Um, your ability to process information, which is investigation, and pick locks, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, your ability to see clues in the field, which is spot hidden, um, and then your strength, which will mm-hmm. help you with with uh, your ability to strike back at people. Right. Even though there's not a lot of combat in this game, your strength does come into play in opening doors or uh, working different objects in the field. And then you have two other skills, uh, occult and medicine, which beyond character creation have to be enhanced with things you find in the environment. So ancient and mysterious books or medical treatises and things of this nature Right. Which help gather clues on those two specific subjects in the field. And, right. And and even your, your character points to improve your skills 
there aren't a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely an economy going on. Um, and, and obviously, the higher you have in the skill, the more it takes to get to the next level. Right, right. Yeah, it, so, uh, it starts you at like 20%, I think, in everything. Yeah, choose wisely. Mm-hmm. Because really, you don't you don't pass you don't really have a stand, chance of passing tests, um, you know, with the unseen RNG, unless you have a skill of forty percent or higher. Right. You really um, you have to you can't make a uh, jack of all trades character because mm-hmm. you're going to end up failing in everything. You have to specialize, and that's going to point you down the path that you take to do things. Um, which I find much to my chagrin affects it later on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And certain options that you uncover in the environment actually a little thing comes up that this will affect you later. You know, like a destiny right. type of situation where piss off the wrong guy, that's gonna come back and bite you in the butt later. Yeah. Which is a which is a nice little feature to tell you after the fact because you can't go back and change those situations unless you you know manually save before that and you go back and reload but i guess it's kind of um it's kind of trying to keep the metagaming to a minimum Mm -hmm. um you know obviously on your second playthrough you you can you know you're a little bit more knowledgeable but it kind of blindsides you on uh, as you're going through for the first time oh yeah Definitely. Uh, this game actually, I think, has a lot to offer for the Call of Cthulhu purist. Um, those those folks that uh, we've gotten into little bickering matches with over pulp versus vanilla 7th edition. Uh, it is their kind of game. Yeah, there's um, not... there's. It's funny because... Um, a lot of games that try and do exactly what this game is doing use fighting to fill things out. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the game is d- dependent on encounters and specifically fighting encounters. Um, like, um, like Fallout mm-hmm. or... or um, or any of the Elder Scrolls games, which have strong stories, but you always end up like in some sort of combat. And and that that's the mechanic that pushes everything. Right. Um, in in which is there's nothing wrong with that. Those are two of my favorite games ever made. Um Oblivion, uh, Skyrim, Fallouts, uh, all of them. I mm. love I love that. But in this kind of game where, where you want to focus on the investigation and uh, the, and the story is pro- propelled through that, having every, having every encounter end up with like a, a slugfest is not, it, it's not just, it, it would take away from the game. It would, it would be a shitty game, honestly. Right. Right. If, if, if Pierce could, could just, ball up his fist and start punching people yeah it would it would definitely lose its feel um because because the dread and the over being overwhelmed by the you know cosmic horror aspects when they start coming more into play or in the horror aspects not being able to 
combat, not being able to punch your way out of a situation is one of the things that it contributes to the feel of this game. Yes. <laughs> I, yeah. Um, so uh, I'm just thinking of like some of the complaints I've seen online about this game. Um, the graphics, the lack of combat. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not an action game, and it. I don't think I came into it. I didn't come into it thinking it was going to be an action game. Right. I, um, came in like hoping it would give you the feel of Call of Cthulhu, and it, right. it really it, it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think one of our advantages is that we came into this game as Call of Cthulhu players. Right. So and, we knew what to expect from a game bearing that title. Right. And I think a lot of the negative reviews are not from Call of Cthulhu players. Yeah, I think they're from people who are expecting like a slug uh, slugfest with tentacles. Mm-hmm. And that's not what this is. Not right. at all. Grab a gun and shoot it. Yeah. Um, you know, something, something along those natures. But if you want that, just go out and buy it, any other video game. Mm-hmm. Because, um, like, pretty much that's how go by Doom because Doom is basically that yeah, cosmic horror with big guns. Yeah, but if you if you like a good enthralling story and you like investigation and and dare I say a procedural game because everything you know your investigation proceeds in a logical order and you find yourself uncovering the story. And it's a very logical order to the mysteries. There are no like things that come out of left field that lead you off in a totally random direction. No, and and there, there's like the the next bit of um, criticism that I've seen online is that um, after the the first, I guess, three levels, which was the demo that a lot of people had access to, mm-hmm. um, the story gets quote confusing. And well, I don't know. I, I finished the goddamn thing, and um, I wasn't confused at all. There were some like story aspects that went where I didn't think they were going to go. But that's how Call of Cthulhu works, right? That's how the game works because you're not supposed to assume uh, like the weirdness. You're supposed to be a regular guy who's invest. You're not Kolchak. The Night Stalker. You're, you're like John Constantine. Yeah, you're just a guy who like gets caught up in this, so you don't make assumptions of of evil cults or dark gods or whatever the hell um, is happening. You don't make those assumptions as a normal human being. So why should your character? And the game does a great job of uh, of playing of of keeping that aspect hidden and giving you uh zigzags and jukes and jives and uh false alleys and and um assumptions mm-hmm. that you make that are wrong so i i guess if you're not used to that in storytelling and in games um i i could see where you, yes it's confusing but it's not really confusing it's what it's supposed to be right exactly exactly you when when for example, um, in the classic Call of Cthulhu um, um, scenario, The Haunting, 
where you're supposed to go investigate a haunted house. And it ends up being like this uh, guy who's turned himself into an immortal vampire. Mm -hmm. You don't expect that. You don't even expect that as a Call of Cthulhu player because vampires really aren't part of the mythos. But, you know, eventually you, you get the big revelation and then you all die. It's kind of the same thing. Right. When, when what happens is re finally revealed and in dribs and drabs and you finally get the, the scope of it, you're so far caught up in it that, um, yeah, it, it just like you're ready to go. Oh, yeah. OK. <laughs> <laughs> I could see where that comes from. It's not confusing. It's just it's just that's how Call of Cthulhu storytelling is. Right. It is. It is. And one of the the great things that's also immersive in this game is how pierce um ends up reacting to the weirdness the scenes of horror that surround him and there are some some pretty tough scenes of horror in here to get through but you know it's not like a lot of protagonists in games who they just take everything in stride and their character when it's time to freak out, your character is freaking out. And you're the sanity meter that's a, almost an unseen mechanic in the game. A lot of the stuff takes place behind the scenes. But, you know, your field of vision changes. Uh, you, and it affects you as a player. Especially if you're sitting in, in, at home in a dark room. And you're you're walking along, and you encounter this this sequence of horror, and you can't see anything on the screen, and it really right. draws you into the immersion. <laughs> and when something as mundane as a and as a asylum guard, you know, pops around the corner, you find you holy shit. <laughs> yeah, and, I end I ended up psychotic at the end. Mm -hmm. I'm like totally psychotic. <laughs> like, like shh, there was at one point. Um, you have like this choice of your reactions to people and you can say, you know, you can use your psychology reaction or, you know, your strength reaction or whatever. At one point, all my options were in Enochian or Relilian. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I didn't even know what the hell I was. I was just like, okay, just pick a random se sequence of characters <laughs> because I don't know what I'm saying. That's awesome. That's awesome. It was it was fantastic. And and that's another you did that sense of fatalism there is another thing that will appeal to the players of classic Call of Cthulhu. And it, it draws it draws a lot on um games like um Eternal Darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, especially for like the visual effects of sanity and that mechanic of playing through a different character while your character is aware of it. Right. Um, that's all eternal darkness was, was like all those flashbacks to Rome and everything that mm -hmm. you played. Um, so you get, you get that. Um, and like si silent Hill, there's a lot there's a huge debt to the to Silent Hill, especially like Silent Hill, the early ones. We mm -hmm. had different different endings that you got that were completely dependent on how you played the game previously. Because mm -hmm. uh, apparently, I did a little bit of research. There's four endings that you can get. 
Um, and depending on what you do in the game, um, you have options for different endings. Now you don't know that you're choosing an ending. You're, you're performing a task or not performing a task at the end, which will go unnamed because mm -hmm. I don't want to spoil it. Um, but by the time I got to the end of the game, I had absolutely no choice. I was completely done. I, I was like over the top insane. And just like the choices that I made during gameplay. And I don't know everyone that I made that did this. Um, I got, I had no choice but one ending. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. yeah, that was it. And that's what encourages you to make uh, repeated playthroughs is how did I get to this ending? Let's see if I can try to find another one. Right. Especially now that you know there's four, you got to play it at least four times and try different paths. Yeah. Um, I would say one of the main things that, that kind of gets me, and this probably ties into the not knowing what path you're on to get to what ending is there's little feedback on passing and failing uh, skill checks. Uh, there's no, you know, no, uh, like, sonic, you know, uh, there's no type of feedback. Controller doesn't vibrate. Um, the, uh, you know, there's no sound uh, to let you know that, hey, you passed that skill check. You just got to figure out that, oh, I must have failed that. Especially in the social interactions. Well, sometimes it won't, it just flat out won't let you make a choice if you don't have a high enough skill level. Right. Uh, you, you, it'll be on the screen, but you, you can't, you can't actually do that. Right. So it'll make like, it, Right. And so if you're a cult is too low and you need to talk to somebody about the occult aspect of what you're talking about, you can't do it. Right. You, it'll they, give you like won't a even let you flag. fail. It won't even let you fail because you won't even think about it to come up. Mm -hmm. um, whereas sometimes if you're like, if you want to try and, and uh, use psychology and calm somebody down and you, and you fail your role, even though your, your skill is sufficient to do it and you fail, uh, they'll let you know. I mean, you know, you fail, right. You, you know, fail. you failed in the reaction, the outcome of the task, but you don't have, it's not like you roll a die and you're like, Oh, I failed, which is kind of cool mm -hmm. um because you know in in reality uh you know you you fail a task when it, something doesn't happen right <laughs> but but like in a game you know you kind of know that you failed something so you prepare yourself mentally everybody does it you can't help it it's metagaming and it's just mm -hmm. human nature um and, and that's taken away from you with this so uh, yeah, you fail your strength test, and did I fail a strength test, or is the game railroading me, or what? Right. And if there are some points where it feels like you're being railroaded, but you know, thinking about the mechanics of the game, you're probably not being railroaded. But that's another part of Call of, Call of Cthulhu as a as a tabletop role playing game, is that sometimes you do feel like you're being railroaded. But you're railroaded by the choices that you're making. Yeah. Well, also, Call of Cthulhu is a little bit more railroady than um, Dungeons and Dragons. 
spots right. just in the nature of the game because you know the whole point of the game is to get to the the big horror nobody wants to play a game and then get taken out by a bunch of mooks oh yeah yeah definitely <laughs> i mean where's the fun in that especially when when the back of the box is lovecraftian you want you want that ending. you want to like get taken out by the the giant unnameable thing dripping slime oh right and, you uh, know, sh shimmering between dimensions you you don't want to like die by like the high priest hired hand you know gangsters that came after you frank the cultist yeah <laughs> hey frank was cool man and it was fred fred uh actually you do encounter a frank the cultist at one point <laughs> in this game uh when you're investigating and sadly frank the cultist dies but yeah that's that's the thing you want to get to the you want the big scaly monster you want the you know thing that you can't really see until it's right on top of you yeah i think a lot of the you. times when people are complaining about being railroaded in call of cthulhu they're complaining about getting to that encounter on the game's terms instead of your own terms right <laughs> So that's not necessarily railroading. That's, you know, you just made some poor decisions. Mm-hmm. You've made some poor decisions, and then you decide you can punch Cthulhu. Right. And an I, let me tell you, I made some poor decisions when I played this game. And that's part of the fun of it right there. Yeah, and it's, it's funny because I was thinking, I'm like, oh, great, this is going to happen. And I'm sitting there going, but wait a minute this is what i want to happen as a player this is what i want to see this is why you know you you pay the 60 dollars. you don't pay the money to play this game and want like the super happy uh, yeah i want ending you want the insanity you want the consequences of the mythos right you you either want that or you want the good ending to be a pirate victory in first place and you are you come out damaged Right. Uh, permanently or in in pierce's case more damage than you started yeah yeah I, I guess he wasn't really an altogether person when in the beginning of this but altogether it is a classic call of cthulhu experience uh it does have some foibles but overall i give this game two thumbs up yeah uh, I'm, I'm i recommend I recommend if you're a fan of cosmic horror, I recommend if you're a fan of the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game to to give it a shot because it is a Call of Cthulhu experience um, that you can get by yourself. Um, and you you know maybe when you're playing through this game, uh, you'll pick up the role-playing game and uh, give that a try as well because that's encapsulated in this video game is the essence of the tabletop game yep um oh you know really my the big complaint i have about this game is they spelled nick's last name wrong oh that's right that's right <laughs> at, nick at, at, and the end credits they they list the, the company the staff names of uh, and the roles at of chaosium um all those guys and nick our friend and uh player nick is on there and uh they spelled his name wrong 
<laughs> hopefully, hopefully they'll patch that. And, yeah, uh, he'll he'll be Nick Nicario instead of Nick Nicario. Nick Nicario. <laughs> I no, they see they they decided that that's his name. He is not Nick, Nick Nicario. He's Nick Nicario. You know, and if enough people play this game and get the bad ending. Reality itself will shift, and Nick Nicario will be Nick Nicario from now on. Yep, absolutely. As far as we're concerned, he will be. <laughs> but yeah, I I'm actually hoping for a sequel to this game. That's the other thing. Um, if this game, if this people buy this game and it's a you know a sleeper hit or whatever, because it's a uh, Cyanide Studio isn't like a triple A studio. They're like you know bunch of guys mm, they're they're an indie development team right so uh having a, a sequel to this game is completely dependent on uh everyone going out and getting a copy of it right go out get a copy play it throw out some some positive words we can get a copy there are a lot of realms that could be explored i know uh focus home interactive does a lot of uh games workshop related stuff um, in various sorts of aspects, you know, if if Call of Cthulhu does well, we can get more Call of Cthulhu games. Um, we also know that there is a Down Darker Trails, a Western setting for Call of Cthulhu that would be really cool to play in. Um, and of course, there's one of our favorites, the Pulp setting. Which, you know, sometimes you want to be Pierce and go crazy by hiding in the closet. And sometimes you want to punch Nyra left the tap. Yeah. Even in pulp punching Nyra left the tap isn't a good idea. No, it's it's really not. But but you want to be able to, to like, uh, fuck with his cultists. Mm -hmm. Right. You want to be able to knock out a guard or, or punch Frank the cultist. But... Overall, once again, classic Call of Cthulhu experience. Go out, grab a copy, play it. If you're in the least bit interested in the tabletop game, um, that will give you a lot of the feel mm -hmm. and the vibe of the game. What platforms is this available on? Uh, this is available for PC, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One. Uh, you were playing the PlayStation 4 version. I, I was playing the Xbox and I play the Xbox version. Um, Isn't there's also Xbox, a PC. Xbox and PC pretty much the same thing at this point? Uh, pretty much. I mean, you know, it's Microsoft, so, you know, Xbox is a Windows-compatible thing. <clears throat> so, that about wraps it up for our discussion of Focus Home Interactive's Call of Cthulhu. Uh, catch us next time for some more interesting stuff. Uh, if you like the show, please consider giving us a subscribe, uh, throwing us some stars on iTunes and all that happy horse shit. And until next yep. time, keep, keep 30 points. Up.